Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Seinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. We'll be talking about Apple and other major figures in the tech industry. We'll then feature John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. All this and so much more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Stephen Baker, our friend who's the vice president for industry analysis over at the NPD Group. And just today I was looking out his bio. You know, he's been involved in business for so many years, you know, before there were fleet markets. No, I'm kidding. But actually, you got to start as one of the first employees of Staples, right? That's true. Right out of business school in the mid-80s, 1986. To be specific, I was uh, doing telemarketing phone calls before we opened our very first Staples store on May 1st, 1986 in Brighton, Massachusetts. And I worked at Staples for about 10 years. So what led you from going there doing telemarketing to becoming someone who's an expert at industry analysis? You know, that's a great question. My job after, as Staples grew, I was in the, worked in the offices as a buyer. And then for the most part, I did a lot of sales and margin analysis, competitive analysis, modeling, all sorts of things like that to you know, figure out how we could make more money and be more competitive. Early 90s was clearly when we started to see a lot of tech products get into retail. You know, I knew a lot about retail, and I ended up working at IDC for a couple of years when I left Staples because they were looking for someone who knew retail and understood the impact that retail was going to have on tech and tech was going to have on retail. Let's go to the present. Because of your retail experiences, it's important to ask about. Okay, during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts, Apple CEO Tim Cook says, the product avalanche is not going to happen till this fall and continue through 2014. So we're talking about a five- or six-month wait before the next great Apple product introduction. Does that hurt the company, or is that the only responsible move they could have taken? You know, I mean, when you look at how the sales for tech and for consumer products typically in general, but tech, I think, is a little more seasonal than other industries. So, you know, focusing your new product launches on August, September, and early October so that you're ready for the holiday season, you know, is good business. It's just smart because that's when people are paying the most attention. That's when the biggest volume opportunities are. And you have to have all that done, you know, early enough so that everybody can plan for inventory and advertising. You know, a lot of people who haven't ever worked in retail don't realize that, you know, right now most of the retailers are out making decisions about products for Black Friday and products they're going to promote during the holiday. It's a pretty long cycle ahead of time, especially when you're a really big company, whether you're a Apple or a Best Buy. You know, you're talking about millions and millions of units of things, and it takes some planning to make sure all that product gets to the right store at the right time is available and is available at the right price. Now, this is part of the supply chain expertise that Tim Cook has, knowing about how to get things ready. Of course, they had the misstep with the iMac. Do you think they could have known in advance they would have had such production delays for that product? They probably knew that there was some things going on. Maybe they didn't realize how severe they would be. I, I think that's that's 
probably the truth. Hard to imagine that if they thought they were going to have such a such a big problem getting any product that they would have uh, announced the new iMac in whatever it was late October, and um, you know sacrifice some of those sales. Clearly, that was a mistake, and certainly I think when you really think about it, something must have happened in the supply chain, or they just weren't prepared for how difficult it was going to be to uh, build something that then. Well, look at what Tim Cook said during that conference call. He agreed that maybe they made a mistake. They should not have announced the product then. They should have held off. Yeah. Um, You know, cost them a lot of sales in a high you know, sales opportunity area. And especially, I think, given that, you know, we did see at the same time an onslaught of a lot of, you know, Windows 8 all-in-ones, which truthfully had availability problems as well. But I think they probably lost some sales there that they would have would have been able to hold if they'd had product available. So if they just kept selling the 2011 model, sure, it might yes. have sold at reduced levels, but other than the looks... It's not that much worse in terms of performance. The performance difference is what, 20%? Oh, something like that. I mean, I think the other thing to remember is that people weren't waiting for a new iMac, right? They didn't really know it was coming. The iMac is an awfully small piece of their business. So, yeah, they could have waited, and they probably would have come out a little bit better. But that's probably not really a material uh, impact to their overall sales. But as far as the PC space is concerned, and we can go back to Apple in a moment, we're seeing this decline in PC sales. Do we say it was the fault of Windows 8 or just that Windows 8 didn't help? So we've been pretty public that, for the most part, the slowdown is mostly just a, a, an endemic issue with you know the PC market versus tablets versus entry-level tablets, especially products like uh, the Kindle or the Nexus 7. Consumers are not rejecting Windows 8. There's no evidence that people are going in the stores and not buying because of that. Uh, there's not a lot of re- there haven't been an excessive amount of returns. Um, and in fact, you know, if you look at the consumer sales, at least here in the U.S., which is what we track, we don't see nearly the decline in terms of sales numbers that other people have seen. What we see is a continued small single-digit decline since Windows 8 came out, which is in line with the declines that were happening for the 15 to 18 months before Windows 8 came out. You know, there's a lot of um, excitement around that, but don't really think it's the right way to view what's going on. One thing Tim Cook said, which may reflect part of the situation, is that these days people aren't as quick to upgrade their personal computers. And maybe it's because most of them are pretty good. I mean, if you get a reasonably powerful computer, Mac, PC, you can get not just three or four years, but five or six years out of it. If it doesn't break, why replace it? It's not like a smartphone where you upgrade every two years because of the contracts. There's some of that. Um, I don't disagree. I think one of the issues we're going to run into, though, is the same, same, same kind of replacement cycle on tablets. Because if you look at you know, the tablet market, the things that have typically driven the PC market, which had been, let's say, you know, processor upgrades or storage upgrades, those kind of things, um, 
you know, no one knows or cares what the processor is in their tablet, and storage is really an afterthought and uh, just a cost as opposed to an opportunity in a tablet. So, you know, I think as we see a maturing uh, tablet cycle, you know, I think we're going to start to see the same issues um, on the tablet side. But what about smartphones? Traditionally, we have that two-year cycle because of the contracts. I mean, if someone has a 2009 or a 2010 smartphone, it could be iPhone anything, there's always the reason to want to upgrade more because the improvements are more drastic shall we say. Yeah, but even even there, we're seeing some of that slow down a little bit. People don't always feel quite that imperative to uh, upgrade their phones. And, you know, yeah, there are still some some features that haven't gotten their way through the marketplace through that, you know, let's say 2010 or 2011 time frame. And certainly, you know, at least in the U.S., LTE uh, is probably the number one uh, issue. But again, you know, I think for most people, speed of their phone in terms of, you know, how well it works is not something they're necessarily thinking about. Most people don't use up all their, you know, data data supply. So it's not exactly like everybody's, you know, consuming a, a million minutes of Netflix or whatever else. Next so, week that'll happen. I'm joking. We're going to break here. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Say, neighbors, when your entire team can get together, it's just amazing what they can accomplish. Projects that take weeks, decisions that take days, it's all done right then and there. But you know, gathering everyone together from all those different locations, it can be time-consuming. It can be expensive. It can be plain impossible. That's why we use GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It makes it easy for our entire team to get together online. You see, with GoToMeeting, we share the same screen. We stay on the same page. The built-in HD video conferencing makes the online meetings just like being in the same room. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. Remember, use the promo code PODCAST. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
Since disaster can strike at any time, you always need to be prepared. And not just with an insurance policy. Superstorm Sandy left thousands of people starving and stranded for weeks. You need to be prepared with an emergency supply of food. Now through April 30th, save up to 25% on freeze-dried food. During the freeze-dry guy makes and match number 10 can sale. Freeze-dried food packed in heavy-duty double-enameled number 10 cans. With over 99% of the oxygen removed, it has the longest shelf life of any food available. Over 25 years. Choose from entrees, meats, vegetables, fruits, and desserts. All made in the USA. Just add hot water, wait 10 minutes, and serve. And the taste, absolutely delicious. Free shipping to 48 states. Now through April 30th, save up to 25%. Visit freezedryguy.com. Freezedryguy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. 866-404-3663. Act today. Don't miss out. How's your pH today? Are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body? What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision, and we have the answers. Drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline, high-pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. Spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 800-518-7615. 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Stephen Baker of the NPD Group, we're talking about partly Apple's sales picture, about the industry, about the upgrade cycles, which is significant as smartphones get better, people hold on to them longer. The contract expires. You don't have to throw out your smartphone tomorrow. If it works, it works. My wife has a Motorola Razor feature phone, which has got to be about four years old. And it works fine because all she wants to do is keep a very simple contact list and make phone calls. She doesn't care about surfing on that. She uses the iPad. Right. We you have get the point. my wife has an old as a Pantac feature phone with a keyboard that she's very reluctant to give up as well to to go to a smartphone. She's not likely to want to do a lot of web surfing. And I think you know the point we were going to make earlier is. You know, one I think we've probably made here before, which is there is a bit of an echo chamber in the tech world. And, uh, you know, everybody thinks consumers are thinking about processors and screens and PPIs and all these kind of things when they look at these devices. And, in fact, if smartphones are going to become more and more important to people, I would argue that those things become less and less important. And what really is important is, does it work? Does it just do the things I need it to do and do them every single time? And that's consumers' biggest frustration, Uh, you know, 
I'm sure later on we will talk a little bit about TV or whatever else. Sure, we will. But the thing that consumers love about TV and cable is they go in their family room, they turn on their television, and uh, it's there. And the things consumers hate about PCs and hate about their phone and hate about the Internet is that that's not always the case. Some things aren't down. It's slow. It doesn't always work the same. Uh, You know, if I buy a new device, it doesn't look like the old device and I have to learn it all over again. The vast majority of consumers don't want to put that much effort into technology. And, you know, I think that's the biggest challenge for the tech business uh, going forward, whether it's, you know, Apple or, you know, Android OS or PCs or anything else, which is to give the consumer a, you know, an experience that is pretty seamless, that's easy, that's understandable, and that they're willing, obviously, at the end of the day, willing to pay for. Now, we also see Apple still selling lots of 2010 iPhone 4s. And, and that the goes key, right to my point, right? Right. And the iPhone 4, of course, other than having a smaller screen on the iPhone 5 and maybe lacking Siri, for example, for the most part, for most of the features people use, it works the same, which is contrary to the experience you get in the Android market where you buy the HTC One here, the Galaxy S3 or S4 from Samsung, it's almost like buying totally different phones, although in theory they're running the same operating system. Yep, there's definitely that. And, you know, you could take that all the way up to the PC market where, you know, one of the things Microsoft stood on its head about for years and continues to is that, you know, the experience you get when you use Windows is going to be the same no matter which OEM is creating the hardware. So there's a lot to be said for that level of standardization. Does that put the onus back on Google for not finding a way to enforce more consistency? We understand different companies want to have selling points, like, for example, every review I've read of the S4. I don't know if you've seen one yet. We're going to get one shortly from Samsung. That all this extra stuff they piled on there doesn't actually help at all. It's just fluff. And there's even an easy mode on the S4, so you can dump it all and just... Get about your business. Right. Well, you know, um, feature creep has always been an issue in consumer electronics. Um, I haven't used one, and, you know, I've certainly seen some of the reviews and things, but it's always been a challenge for companies to um, hold themselves back in terms of how to, and understanding how do I differentiate myself from my competitors with technical jargon or, or specific features that maybe are unique to me. Um, hard to do because, you know, a unique feature feature on one product typically isn't unique for very long. Um, you know, if it's successful or if it's relatively easy or cost, well, very co- un, un, inexpensive to do, the, your competitors will copy that. So, yeah, I think... Um, you know, that's a challenge for everyone to try to uh, find a way to hold back the feature creep, but also to provide a uh, device that's relatively easy uh, for people to use. Going back to Apple and the information about the product introductions not coming till fall. Now, you just know that there are people out there who are going to say Apple is screwing up. They should rush those products out now. Get them in the marketplace. They're losing in terms of competition. Obviously, 
Right now, it's either the HTC One or the Galaxy S4 when it comes to smartphones. So we don't talk about the iPhone 5 anymore. So is that perception hurting them, or Apple has to do what it's got to do? Again, you know, uh, if you live in a tech echo chamber, then that probably hurts them. Or if you live in, you know, some kind of world where you, you know, believe some of the financial analysis, then, yeah, some of that stuff might be a problem. But I really don't – I really think – those kind of issues miss the point. The point for Apple is to have a simple, easy to understand business model, a few products that generate lots and lots of volume, and you know move on from there. And they don't need to rush anything because they need to do the devices when they're ready to do them and when they think it's going to be of maximum benefit. You can look at enough market share things. They're not struggling. They, they're they winning in pretty much every market, in almost every metric that you can think about. You know, the iPhone is the best-selling phone, and in some cases the 4 and the 4S or even the second and third best-selling phones. Again, I'm talking about here in the U.S. You know, when the, the MacBook, the standard MacBook is considered – consistently the number one selling uh, personal computer. The iPad has been the number one uh, piece of uh, tablet hardware. The iPad mini probably likely to be the the number one or number two selling tablet under eight inches. So I guess if you look at it from a brand and a product perspective, I really don't see um, what the reason that they would need to panic. I wonder if part of this is the 24-7 news cycle. We deserve instant gratification. We want it now. We have to have it now. We have to have the results of an investigation, say, into a serious catastrophe, like the bombings in Boston. We have to know everything about that today. We can't sit back and realize investigations take time, just like we go to companies that build new products. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't make sophisticated production lines happen overnight. It takes time to test everything, make sure everything's right. And if you release things a little prematurely, well, you know what happens. You attack them. Why'd you bring it out so early? Anyway, we have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us on this week's episode. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. 
That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I'm here to give you a personal invitation to my presentation, April 29th, Bethel College, Odom Lecture Hall, Room 101, Bethel Court, McKenzie, Tennessee. And I'm going to show you things that's going to save your life. I'm going to show you things that will help you avoid going to doctors for 60 years. Won't that make the medical system humble? 7 p.m., Monday night, April 29th, Bethel College, Odom Lecture Hall, Room 101, Bethel Court, McKenzie, Tennessee. It's free. Tell them Dr. Wallach sent you. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. Stephen Baker from the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So I asked a question there about instant gratification. Is that... In our society, another reason that fuels demands that a company do this, that, and the other thing yesterday? Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I'm not a social media expert and and those kind of things, but as we talked about at the very beginning, I'm kind of an old guy. Um, I would like a little less trawling for hits and a little more work. Um, As an analyst, I can tell you that 
you know, I, I read a lot of uh, misinformed uh, information that goes out there or, you know, misinformed articles that are almost always designed for, you know, web hits or to placate day traders or other kinds of things. Um, there's not a lot of good analysis. Um, I bemoan the days when I could, could have a good discussion with a reporter about what's happening in the marketplace. Um, always got great ideas from them, and I think the decline in journalism from someone who's on the some of the periphery there is, is pretty obvious and pretty unfortunate, and I think most people are not served well by the information that we're giving them uh, these days. Should publishers be hiring more dedicated tech writers? Because I'm seeing more and more of the tech news is being done by just the regular talking head. Uh, you know, I think it depends on the um, organization. Certainly, they all have a lot of financial problems. And again, I'm not a media expert, so I don't want to delve into the media sure. world. But, you know, tech is more important today than it used to be. But a lot of the newspapers used to have auto writers, too. In a lot of places, they don't have auto writers anymore. Um, you know, it's just it's the sign of the times, I think. In some ways, unfortunate. But as you say... There's not much you can do to get responsible discussion going. Let's just take a look at where things are happening now. Do you foresee then, at least with smartphones, just as we had with PCs, that we're now getting to that point where we're going to see market saturation real soon? Oh, I think we already have uh, okay. a pretty, pretty at least in the U.S., the market is pretty saturated at this point. Yes, we can continue to grow because we are seeing some, you know, increases in, around the periphery. You still have maybe some older people. You've, you're seeing smartphones move into some younger people. Um, you do see some growth in terms of people maybe having multiple uh, phones, you know, maybe one that's very cheap for as a hotspot or something and another phone that might be their primary phone. But, you know, the days of hyper growth and, you know, huge increases in the install base and, you know, sales numbers are, are probably not going to happen anymore. So the thing now is replacements are going to count for more and more, and this puts the onus on companies to find a reason for people to replace what they already have. Uh, always. Um, you know, replacement markets are a lot more challenging. Um, you have to depend sometimes a little bit more on things like promotion, on price management, and, um, you know, finding uh, targets and niches and you know, working a lot closer with the channel, finding the right channels to sell your products through, maybe casting a wider net in the channel, you know, maybe before you had a relatively um, narrow base of retailers. And as the market becomes saturated, you may think rethink that and want to be in a lot more stores than you were in previously. Now, let's take a look at the wireless phone market in the U.S. We just had this merger that's going through with T-Mobile and Metro, which would right. make a slightly larger fourth largest carrier. But the big thing about T-Mobile is this alleged new marketing plan, which is no contracts. You can buy your phone outright or pay it off over, I guess, some retail installment contract, which in effect is just separating the costs that used to be combined with 
a normal two-year contract with a wireless carrier, except it has an end to it. Well, you know, I mean, one of the, I don't want to say hot, but one of the, the ways that a lot of companies who sell to consumers are approaching those um, that, that sales experience is thinking about, you know, debundling. How do I break up the number of things that I ask people to buy and try to charge them individually for everything under the guise of, you know, you don't want to pay for something you don't want, and this way you can only pay for the things that you want. You know, certainly the best example of that is the airlines, but, you know, I think you see some of that in the, um, in, in the way that T-Mobile is thinking about their business going forward. Well, being number four, they have to try a lot harder <laughs> to be able to get a leg up on the other companies. Clearly, you have to differentiate if when you're uh, the fourth largest carrier. Certainly, you've got to find some unique and different ways to talk to the consumer. Even now, as we're talking, I'm looking over the wireless plan from T-Mobile. I have AT&T, for example, right now. My contracts will be up on all but one phone by this fall. So I'm looking, well, if I switch to T-Mobile, will I save money for three phones with reasonable amount of data? That's something that I'm looking at right now, something that a lot of people are going to consider. Of course, they also have to consider network quality and stuff like that. But is the wireless service, because we'll have four major competitors, become more and more commodity market in the U.S. where, you know, as long as you have good service in your area, no matter which plan you take, you won't go wrong? Well, I mean, from a service perspective, that's probably the case. But, you know, I think you see a lot more competition around things such as, you know, T-Mobile kind of rethinking the contract business when you've got four carriers or you know, however many, even with the, some of the smaller ones. Um, so I think there's there's a lot more room for maneuverability and differentiation in a market where there's that, that little bit extra of competition as opposed to if you just had one or two um, carriers. And in fact, you know, yes, I think everybody at this point may just take the fact that they can get great service for granted and how do you differentiate, you know, and keep from being a commodity? And I don't think you can do that in a, a four-horse race. You know, how do you make that happen? Well, you do it through devices. You do it through pricing. You do it through distribution. Uh, because, you know, for the most part, you know, the service is going to be the service. You know, and again, going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, I could think consumers know if they have HSPA or HSPA Plus or 4G LTE and who's refarming different kinds of uh, spectrum. And, you know, again, I just want this product to work when I want to get on the website to see what the closest restaurant is or use that app, I want it to come up. And when it doesn't happen right away, I'm probably going to be angry at the phone. Scream um, with I the mean, phone I don't know maybe... whether it's the phone. Uh -huh. It could be the phone. It could be the service. I don't know. I'm just going to be angry and frustrated. And, you know, I think if you can solve those problems and make that happen for people, then, you know, that's a differentiator to keep you from being a commodity. There you go. We have to see what's going to happen. 
in terms of T-Mobile's big push. Now they have more spectrum. Now they picked up another provider. It'll be interesting to see how the competition shakes out. Of course, once everyone's on LTE, and if the phones are no longer locked, then if you don't like a carrier, it's so much easier to go to another guy. Right. So that's how it's going to work. By the way, a little bit later in the show, we're going to feature John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, and he's raised a number of questions in his recent commentaries, some of which, by the way, I'm dealing with in talking with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group because he has certainly some important observations to offer. We're going to move off the smartphone, tablet, PC space in our next segments, but you see where it's going. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Introducing a 30-day emergency food supply for only $99. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can purchase Oregon Trail Foods' one-month supply of high-quality, nutritious, and healthy emergency meals for less than $100. These vegetarian meals are all-natural, non-GMO, high in carbs and protein, and are packed with oxygen absorbers in Mylar pouches. They take up to 70% less space than number 10 cans, have a 20-year shelf life, and huge portions, over twice the serving size of some competitors' meals. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low by buying direct from producers in Oregon and then pass the savings on to you. Purchase a 30-day, 90-serving emergency food supply for only $99 this month and $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Call 541-673-6666 or visit 30dayfoodsupply.com where they make preparedness affordable. 30dayfoodsupply.com. Got it? Get it. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. 
Order Renovation Tees at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg on the tech night owl live stephen baker of the npd group and we've been talking about apple about smartphones personal computers tablets and all that stuff but first also about broadband We have Google coming up with this Google Fiber. It's going to Austin, Texas. It's already in Kansas City. It's going to go in Utah, right? That's uh, what I've read. Okay. Now, I guess the big thing about it here is that people in a lot of parts of the U.S., you only have one resource if you want broadband Internet. And some places you live, you don't have anything. If you live in a rural area, if you can't get satellite Internet, where you pay more for less service, you're stuck. So where is this going to go? Is this something like Google going to create a new way, a third alternative for getting broadband? Uh, you know, I think certainly they're out there, and that's going to be a competitor to, you know, whether you see the wireless carriers, you know, move LTE towards being, you know, a broadband solution for people's homes. You know, here in the East Coast, a lot of us have a choice between the cable company and, um, you know, Fios, a lot of other places, you know, AT&T has Uverse versus the cable company. So there's usually a couple of uh, choices. And, you know, over time, the speeds on cable have have picked up and on on something like Fios where you can get, you know, 50 megabytes and, you know, it's pretty pretty fast. You know, I think the challenge for Google is going to be, and not to harp on the things we talked about earlier, but, you know, how much of my frustration and my need for faster service is the issues I have with my router or with my computer or my tablet versus how fast the the connection into the home is. Um, I think that's unclear for most people to know that, oh, great, I can get a lot more speed 
in my cable provider or through Google Fiber, but, you know, what happens if I have, you know, a five-year-old computer or a 802.11G router or, or some other uh, product that doesn't, can't keep up with that? The solution isn't just one piece of that puzzle. Uh, the solution is the whole ecosystem that you would have in your home. Well, something like Netflix, for example. Obviously, if you want to download high-definition content from Netflix, you have to have a decent speed broadband connection. And then, of course, you run into the bandwidth cap. That's the Achilles heel. The more online content you're taking, and it's going to run at 4 8 megabits a second or something like that, in a few days you use up your bandwidth. Well, I mean, that's more of a wireless problem than it is for most of us on a, on a wireline. There aren't a lot of companies on wireline who are restricting people's bandwidth, except maybe the, the, real, the real abusers, you know, maybe people who are running a company on a consumer-level consumer uh, pricing program. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm of the belief that as there are more things for people to download and those things need faster speed and, you know, take up more bandwidth, then those bandwidth caps, if they even exist, are going to go up to let you satisfy your customer. I don't think, you know, Fios wants me to be mad at them. I don't think the cable company wants their, their customers to be that mad at them or restrict them from doing certain things, you know. I think that they will raise those those limits when it's appropriate and, you know, making sure that they can balance, you know, their, their need to be profitable and make money with their need for customer service and to make sure that you're, you're able to use what you're buying in a way that is, you know, commensurate with what's happening in the, in the industry. I think the reason I raise this is just looking at the two carriers we have in the Phoenix area. We have Cox Communications. And their faster speed packages go up, by the way, to 150 megabits download. And they give you 400 gigabytes bandwidth. Now, the other fairly major provider, which gives you up to 40 megabits downloads, is CenturyLink, which brought out Quest, as you know. They offer 250 just downloads. That seems like a lot. But if each high-definition movie is, what, 4 to 6 gigabytes, and then you're streaming a lot... You know, how many days does it take to use it all up? You know, I can't comment on what's in Phoenix. Uh, if, if I have a data cap, we haven't, we haven't hit it. And I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, teenage son spends half his life in front of the TV watching Netflix uh, reruns of old television shows. <laughs> so I, I think we're using, probably using a lot of bandwidth on the Netflix connection. But, you know, I think that they've set those caps based on what the vast majority of users are going to find acceptable. And there's always going to be a few people on the outlying edge. And I think as the outlying edge gets bigger and more and more people move to that cap, uh, you know, I fully expect that they would move the cap. Again, they don't, they're not there to make every single customer angry. I don't think necessarily they're there to, um, you know, have to charge for every last, you know, gigabyte. When they get to that point, uh, they want to balance service and profitability. Let's move over from streaming to TV. And as you say, you know, a basic TV set with your DVR from your cable or satellite provider. Fairly easy to use. The interfaces are not that 
difficult to handle, especially just recording a show. You press record or you push a couple of buttons and you can record the entire season. This is not difficult. But we had the comment from Tim Cook a while back that when he goes into his living room, he feels he's gone back in time 20 or 30 years. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the problems that occur when you have lots of peripherals, like the gaming consoles and the surround sound theater system, and you have to switch back and forth? Well, I think there's, there's that. There's the interfaces, which you know, can be kind of clunky and challenging on trying to pick a channel the way that your cable television subscription interconnects with, you know, Netflix and your, you know, what kind of, um, how you want to watch content, you know, whether you want to DVR it or, you know, be able to watch any kind of content whenever you want and on your time, as opposed to the time when the network or the cable company chooses to show it to you. So it's getting out of the I don't comfort zone. I don't think when he, when he says that, he thinks, he certainly doesn't mean that from a hardware perspective because clearly your hardware doesn't look anything like it looked 20 or 30 years ago. So it has to be more about how I pay for, use, and interact with the content that I'm trying to get at. So it's also a large thing about when you get out of the basic comfort zone. I mean, if you just punch the buttons to get your station, you have a little directory, you know that this particular news channel is channel 360 on this particular network, or USA network is 242, and that's it. You don't have to worry about anything else. Maybe it's a little more difficult to record a season's worth or an episode. But once you get out of that comfort zone, as you say, going to the Netflix, going to another application for another service, going to another product, like I said, surround sound. So I'm thinking in terms of, and you could go with this or not, I'm thinking in terms of, say, for example, you want to switch your remote between your DVR and your Blu-ray player or your gaming console. Maybe you have a couple, you know, or you have a set-top box, a separate one like a Roku or an Apple TV. So now you're using a universal remote, so it has to figure out, okay, you switch from your TV set to your Blu-ray, so it has to switch the input setting on your TV set. We'll turn off your DVR because you're not using it. Turn on the Blu-ray player. Switch whatever has to be switched in the surround sound system. It has to make three or four switches every time. The universal remotes tend to be a little complex to run. If you don't point them exactly at the various devices, it misses one. So that's where I see the difficulty. That is, when you get out of the basic TV broadcast or cable satellite situation, as soon as you move slightly beyond that, things get dicey. Yeah, I mean, those difficulties are no different than trying to listen to, you know, music I have on iTunes on my Android phone or trying to download a file that only works in, you know, on a Mac, on a PC, or, you know, those are, those are those switching kind of challenges where we're in open environments where multiple companies provide different pieces of hardware, even if some of those component parts are standard across, you know, multiple devices. There is always going to be some of those challenges, and I think, you know, the job of 
something like a universal remote or a remote app on your phone or your tablet, that's going to be the job of those kind of products is to be able to pick that stuff up and be able to do that in a way that's seamless and, and not really noticeable to you so that it understands all the complexities. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Stephen Baker, the NPD Group, joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. And he's been giving kind of a long explanation there about integrating your TV experience among multiple devices, mentioning, of course, universal remotes as a possibility and all that stuff. You may continue. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just the final point is is that there's lots of ways to do that through software. Most of the components in your TV stack or your entertainment stack are going to talk and, and send out signals, and there's lots of ways to make all that switching pretty seamless to the, to the consumer. Um, I don't see that as being the biggest challenge that we have around the um the home with home home entertainment hardware. Okay, so if Apple solved the problem of the best interface ever, which is what Steve Jobs was quoted as saying in that biography, what is the challenge for an Apple to provide? What can they do or should they do to fix issues in the TV market? 
And well, that's why they're not there yet, right? Uh, because <laughs> it's not just a simple, you know, let me throw some better looking hardware out there, or let me, you know, just make sure that all your devices work a little bit better or that you can switch between a Roku and a Blu-ray and an Apple TV and your sound bar and all those kind of things. It's all those things. Those are all important, but at the end of all of that, I don't care, right? What I care about is if I come in my room and turn on the TV and I want to watch the Red Sox game, it ought to be there. And that's, I think, where they're... They, they struggle to find a better solution for the consumer for paying for and accessing the content. So the content is the key here, integrating the content, accessing it when you want, removing the impediments to getting the content. So as a company yep. like, does a company like Apple then with iTunes sign up all the carriers to work through them? Is that the solution? There's there's multiple solutions, but I think you know I think the 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 thing to remember, you know, like we talked about earlier with with some of the bandwidth things, is that you know we have to balance business models and profitability with um, you know what the consumer wants, and you know the cable companies want to give the consumers what they want up to a point. Um, and the content providers want to give the consumers what they want up to a point. But they they have shareholders and employees, and they need to make money. And just kind of throwing caution to the wind and letting everybody buy whatever they want or, you know, go after any kind of content that they want, that's a free-for-all that I don't think any of them see as being valuable. And that, by the way, takes us all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about today, which is... You want to unbundle all the stuff. You want to make me choose from A, B, and C. You think all that stuff is better for me. It may be, but it's also a lot more complicated. You're asking me to make decisions. You're asking me to make choices. You're asking me to commit to things that may change over time, that I don't want to necessarily commit to, that I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about. The cable company sends me a $150 bill every month. I pay it. I get my phone. I get my Internet connection. I get all the channels I want on my television, a whole bunch maybe I don't want. But, okay, I get all the ones I want. And that's a nice, simple, easy solution. And the solutions, from my mind, that I see from you know, all the, the Internet people who want to disintermediate it are a heck of a lot more complicated than that. And I really don't want to do that much work. You know, I'll just give the dilemma here and amplify what Stephen's saying. And that is, for example, I have 250 stations, say, on DirecTV in my package. I'm just throwing a number out, okay? Don't assume that. Now DirecTV sends me a letter tomorrow and says, here are the 250 stations. Now choose the ones you want. And you have to look at them and then make a decision, will I want to see Showtime East next week or next month or for the next two years? Maybe six months from now, Showtime East has a show or a movie I want to see. So what do I do then? Do I then have to go back and reorder everything to get the shows I want? It's not that easy. Yes, you may only use five or ten stations out of that 250, but which ones are they? At what point will you decide, I don't want to use that channel, maybe I could switch to this channel instead? Or that night you see the TV listings that show Showtime East has the movie or drama that you want. How do I switch to it? How do I activate it? It can be confusing. Yep. 
Yep, and I, I would argue, and I have argued this, and I think other people, our entertainment analyst has also made this point uh, on an occasion that unbundling typically has ended up being, and again, we talked about this a little bit earlier, ends up being more expensive for the consumer rather than less expensive because of a lot of the things you're talking about. Oh, all of a sudden I want to buy this, and all of a sudden I want to buy that, and when it's not not bundled, now, yes, I know how much it costs, but the person selling it to me also has a chance to raise the price to me because I didn't really know what the price was before. So I'm not a big fan of unbundling because I think um, it's one of those, you know, be careful what you ask for uh, situations. Also from the content provider standpoint, look at this situation. So now uh, Viacom or Comcast or something, they bundle, say, 10 stations or 20 stations, like NBC stations. NBC has a number of cable channels. We know about Sci-Fi Channel. We know about USA Network. But there are lesser channels in that package. And the way it works now is you go to the delivery service, the cable provider, the satellite provider, and say, here's my 20 channels, and you pay us so much a month for each subscriber. That's the way it works. Now, it may be true that some of those stations, a lot of those stations aren't getting that many viewers. But if they're not bundled, they'll be invisible. They'll get no viewers. This way they have a chance to compete on a level playing field because they are already in 50 million or 100 million homes. They get a chance to shine. If they're not there, there's no hope. Yeah. And yesterday's, you know, obscure channel is tomorrow's, you know, Food Network or you know, Discovery Channel or some other station that, you know, many years ago no one really knew about, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, AMC. So, you know, I, I again, part of the fun of channel surfing, at least for me, is to sometimes to land on one of those channels and see what's there, or maybe sometimes they have something interesting. When they find something interesting and they build a, a business off of that, if everything is unbundled and you know what happens, everything kind of goes to the most popular um, couple of channels. You blow your budget on ESPN, and you know what's left. There's not much left for the rest of those. And I think to your point, there goes the innovation, there goes the competition, and um, I'm not sure that it's a benefit. And remember now, look at something like USA Network, which is on basic cable. For many years, all they offered was retreads, reruns. And they started some original programming like Monk, this comedy mystery series with Tony Shalhoub, became very popular. And suddenly USA Network, after doing this, realized that they could innovate with several new shows a week. You know, obviously they all follow similar themes, you know, like interesting, quirky characters, that kind of thing. But because they were given the opportunity, being part of the cable system automatically, to come up with something new and experiment with something, they came up with shows that work. I love USA Network, by the way. They have things like Covert Affairs, and they had Monk, and of course they have Burn Notice, and they have all these great shows. But if they weren't there... If they were just showing network retreads, reruns, and not on all the cable facilities, you'd never hear from them, and those shows would never have been around. Yep. 
You're preaching to the converted here, Gene. <laughs> you know, we have nothing to talk about. We just sit here and agree with each other and smile at each other. No. Yeah. That's okay. We don't always agree. It's the way it goes. Nope. But that's why Stephen Baker is one of our favorites, because the difference is I'm just a guy who's on the radio, a commentator. You know, he's a, he's a real industry analyst. He's the real deal here. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Since disaster can strike at any time, you always need to be prepared. And not just with an insurance policy. Superstorm Sandy left thousands of people starving and stranded for weeks. You need to be prepared with an emergency supply of food. Now through April 30th, save up to 25% on freeze-dried food. During the freeze-dry guy, makes and match number 10 can sale. Freeze-dried food packed in heavy-duty, double-enameled number 10 cans. With over 99% of the oxygen removed, it has the longest shelf life of any food available over 25 years choose from entrees meats vegetables fruits and desserts all made in the usa just add hot water wait 10 minutes and serve and the taste absolutely delicious free shipping to 48 states now through april 30th save up to 25 percent visit freezedryguy.com freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 866-404-3663 act today don't miss out Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now. 
and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. In this final segment, I'm going to ask him about TVs in general. Do you think, do you at all have a gut feeling as to what Apple's intent is here? Is it to build the whole widget, the TV set, or come up with some kind of souped-up Apple TV that deals with the content issues? That would seem the most likely alternative uh, opportunity you know, Apple hasn't always, hasn't ever, to my knowledge, just wanted to solve the software problem. Um, they're not just a software company; they're a hardware company as well. And you know, it's hard for me to see them focusing just on solving that content problem without also bundling it, for want of a better word, with some great hardware. And I think the challenge that all of us as analysts and as people who look at what Apple is trying to do, the challenge for all of us is trying to understand what Apple can do from a hardware perspective that would differentiate them or that would be so unique that would help them get the traction and the content side that they would need to be successful because they can't just do one, they they certainly their DNA says they have to do both. So they make the TV set. So Apple has seven patents going on 3D. Do you think they could produce maybe a set with 3D that doesn't require the glasses? That'd be a big improvement. Well, there's plenty of 3D sets. The, the, the technology is out there. That's not a problem. It's a cost issue. Uh, you could do OLED, you know, great big, really, really thin roll-up screens. Again, that's not a problem uh, being out there, but the cost and the availability is still a problem. So let's not forget the other two things, which is while Apple tends to be expensive, they aren't necessarily, I think, looking for businesses that don't have mass market appeal and that can sell at mass market prices. They aren't looking for new niche businesses. They're looking for big, broad opportunities and you know if again if you look at some of the screen technologies so lots of different screen technologies out there but most of them are either limited in availability or expensive and you know even apple you know doing something to the price isn't going to make them cheap enough to be um you know of interest to a wide 
segment of the population. So again, that's why everybody looks at this and kind of feels like maybe they're hamstrung a little bit in terms of trying to find a great hardware solution that can solve some hardware problems that are out there and at the same time integrate you know, a great UI and a great content solution to solve some of the content issues. Now, one of the hardware solutions was supposed to be OLED, which is supposed to offer the unlimited viewing angle of plasma and a beautiful deep black picture. Everything real thin. There's this, what, LG Electronics has a TV set for, what, $10,000? That's four millimeters thick. Okay. The question, of course, is OLED's been a while. Will that ever come down in price to the point where it can be competitive with a plasma or an LED LCD set? Well, right now it's not a price issue. It's a you know availability issue. They even if they could make them, even they they could certainly sell them cheaper if they wanted to. They couldn't make enough to be um, successful. That the technology is still difficult to work with, and um, you know, no one's gotten to the point where they can reliably mass produce large quantities of um, big screen OLED televisions. Someone solves that, they could really upturn that industry, couldn't they? You know, we'll see. You know, we've got 4K coming down the pike this holiday, and that provides a lot of the same level of benefits in terms of a much better picture uh, solution that, that OLED has also talked about. It'll be an interesting next couple of years to see how those those two technologies play out against each other. Very interesting indeed. Now, in terms of 4K, that's also called Ultra HD. And what I've been reading about, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you really need a really large screen to see the difference if you're watching your TV set from 10 feet away. And you've got 1080p on one side, and you've got the 4K TV on the other side. Unless the picture size is really big, the differences will be, not be that drastic. That's the case in many, many different screen technologies. Um, you know, we talk on smartphones about pixels per inch, and the, I think at, at one point Apple said, you know, the more pixels than you can see. And, you know, how that would be a benefit is kind of hard to understand if I can't see it, right? And, and the same thing here, I think, for it's about marketing and it's about future proofing and it's it's not necessarily about being one product side by side with the other it's you know this is a better technology this is the future um you know we expect this to be the the next big wave and and at some point that will be you know the marketing that will entice people to buy that product just like you know people buy 1080p or up from 720p today of course, the big question there is the content. You know, how will they uh, deliver the higher resolution content? What new technologies sure. like H.265, the enhanced technology mm -hmm. for MPEG-4, will yeah. that be a key to be able to get more stuff stuffed into the picture without consuming more bandwidth? Uh, you know, I think there's a variety of things. That's certainly a piece of the puzzle. But um, in the early days of 4K, the small availability of of uh, content that's in 4K is not going to be a um, deterrent for most people to buy. Lots of people bought 1080p televisions in 2007 and 2008, and there was not really any 1080p content. So I, I just I don't see that as being a um, a deterrent. 
Also, I assume that those sets scale up the 1080p picture, so it looks a little bit sharper, a little bit better, even though it's not the full thing. Yes. It's kind of like, what's well, not like getting pseudo 3D from non-3D content in a 3D set. Probably not the same, no. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, some of the things we just talked about, uh, you know, you could say were the same in 3D, but, you know, 3D had all, has all that overhead around glasses and um, some other, other issues that don't make the content issues on 3D the same kind of content issues that we would see on 4K or that we did see in 1080p. Of course, we have 3D. We have the glasses, but we also have the narrower viewing angle. Otherwise, you don't get the full effect. And I've got a 3D set here. Vizio sent us one to review. And it has a 3D, and it looks great if you look straight on, but you are off to a slight angle. The 3D effect is not as compelling. Stephen Baker, tell us where to find more of your stuff. Uh, you can always come to us at npd.com, and our blog is at npdgroupblog.com. All sorts of good, solid information there. So once again, we're so pleased to have Stephen Baker. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always fun, Gene. Thank you. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Hey there, my name is Frank Bates. Do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis? Some people think the answer is gold. Others think it's a gun. But the correct answer will shock you. 
I just created a free video at Crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis. 97% of Americans don't have this one critical item. In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com. To have a fighting chance against cold and flu bugs, get the world's best garlic extract, Allison Plus C. Fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi with Allison Plus C. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Allison Plus C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized Allison, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Allison Plus C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Allison Plus C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Allison Plus C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract. Allison Plus C. To order, call 855-ALLISON. That's 855-255-4246. Or go to allisonplus.com. Spelled A-L-L-I-C-I-N plus.com. Get Allison Plus C from Affinity Health Products. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Owl live. We've got a lot of subjects to cover, so let's just dive in. Okay, so the Worldwide Developers Conference is announced on a Thursday morning by Apple, within two or three minutes later, depending on which version you read, every single ticket is sold out. Doesn't that tell you that Apple should find a venue with more capacity? Well, there's lots to it. There are it, The solution is wide-ranging, and there's a, a broad range of solutions. I've been querying some developers this afternoon, and some agreed with an idea, an initial idea I had to do a, a lottery where a registered developer takes the next step of checking a box and registering an intent to go to WWDC. And after 50,000 developers check a box on April 1st or 2nd, Apple does a random selection of 5,000 of those who check the box and notifies them that their seat is available and they can take 10 days to accept or decline and uh, anybody who has to decline for some reason subsequently, uh, their seat gets rolled back into the random drawing. But what that does is, is it sort of more orderly orchestrates a random process anyway, because right now it's hit and miss when you log on to the servers. I talked to a couple of developers, and they had the re- return button ready to click. They were all queued up at 959 59.9, they waited and hit the return button, and the server came back and said, sorry, and you're screwed. <laughs> and when they tried to recover from the air, it was too late and uh, sold out. So I saw one estimate that about 25,000 people were trying to register in those two minutes, and about 5,000 people were successful. So it was a random drawing in that sense. 
the larger picture is is that the the events changed and a lot, a lot of people were changing their perceptions about how the events conducted and its usefulness and several people told me that maybe it needs to be broken up andrew stone mentioned that maybe we need three wwdc's one for ios developers one for game makers and one for mac one for os 10 developers daniel jalka just posted an editorial at uh, at bit splitting where he suggested that you know just like apple's given up on these conferences like macworld new york and macworld san francisco maybe it's time to give up on wwdc and work with people over the internet instead of jamming these people into a conference stealing a thousand engineers from their work for a week uh you know a mad scramble uh, for everybody to converge in, in san francisco on this so there's lots of different opinions floating around and i'm organizing this information now for a uh, article so so what this means john is that maybe the entire picture of hands-on sessions which is restricted to a lucky few that doesn't work anymore well, you know, a lot of developers go to the hands-on sessions, the lab sessions, and they think that they're, they're very useful. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a broad range of motivations for going to WWDC. For many people, it's to meet Apple engineers. Um, I think I read to, uh, that um, Q&A sessions after the uh, presentations are not going to be held anymore. I don't know, maybe a reason to accelerate the production of the videos, um, or maybe it's an effort to reduce some of the uh, pushback that Apple's getting from developers who want to corner engineers. I don't know, but um, there's lots of elements. You know, when I was working for Apple, one of the things uh, we did was bring customers to WWDC, get them a ticket, uh, walk them around, put get them into private sessions, connect them with Apple uh, executives and vice presidents about you know what's going on at Apple. So there's there's big time customers in science and engineering and enterprise who used to attend. Uh, there's people who go there for the politics and the networking, and then there's the guy who just can't figure out the bug in his Objective C code, and he'll spend a couple hours in the lab sitting with an Apple engineer doing compile after compile until he gets his app just right. Um, so because of that broad range uh, of motivations. And it's going to be kind of tricky for Apple to figure out how to meet the needs of the developers and other people who want to attend. I just read that Jason Snell saw on Twitter that uh, he's not going to be attending. Uh, for a lot of people, the emphasis is, is maybe shifting a little bit. And I'm suspecting that a lot of foreign developers who see a business opportunity to make money from iOS apps are eager to generate revenue in that fashion. Uh, and then so... There's a lot of stuff going on, and how Apple fixes it is going to be a trick. Well, as far as the media is concerned and the general public, most of what has any importance at all is contained in the keynote. What new products Apple introduces, that one- or two-hour block, and uh, that is it. That's what gets coverage. That's another element. You know, Some um, publications who have developer status uh, send a, a team of two or three people uh, as media. I, I know for... Many years, I had two badges around my neck. One was a developer badge and one was a media badge. And the media gets into the, the keynote. And being there in person is an important part of covering the event for your publication. So that's another aspect of it. And that's great PR for Apple. And how, how, how they would isolate that out, I don't know. 
Okay, so the other issue, of course, being at the Worldwide Developers Conference, that Apple will evidently disclose the first revelations about iOS 7 and OS 10.9, which means they won't come out till fall, right? Just for those who wonder about WWDC and what all this stuff means, this means this is where Apple discloses their developer strategy for the new operating system versions. So, of course, iOS for mobile devices like the iPhone and the iPad and OS 10 for Macs. Yeah, that's been the, the general timeline, I think so. What I think is going to be really interesting is to see the effect of the departure of Scott Forstall, uh, the reorganization uh, of, the, uh, of the operating system uh, management, um, how Apple does or does not shift gears in terms of integrating OS X more with iOS, and Jonathan Ives' uh, fingerprints on iOS 7. Seven's a good number. Seven's a lucky number. Six is just one less than perfect. I'm really hoping that iOS 7 comes out with a cool new interface. You know, I've been playing with some Android uh, devices lately. I've got a Kindle Fire HD here and a Nexus 10 on my desk. And if you look at Android Jelly Bean on these devices, it has this dark, sleek, kind of super alien, techie feel to it. When you know, and when you look at uh, iOS, it has this sort of soft, uh, skeuomorphic feel that, that that some people feel isn't quite as uh, geek and technical as it could be. So it'll be interesting to see how iOS 7 cleans up the, the user interface, uh, maybe brings some more coherence to the settings, um, and, and makes it look... Uh, uh, more useful, and, and maybe Apple will figure out a way in iOS 7 with security still in mind and sandboxing still in place to make it easier to create content. Because, you know, when you create content on your Mac, you're pulling in information from lots of different sources, and uh, and and the, and the way you pull those things together is kind of hard to do in sandboxing. So if uh, iOS and, and iPads are ever going to be really good content creation devices, that needs to be addressed. And maybe Apple will come up with something at WWDC this year. Well, sandboxing for Mac OS X is a difficult proposition because it restricts what app developers can do. Yes, it walls up one app from another. It's supposed to reduce the propensity towards malware or any of the problems. But at the same time, it also means that there are things they can't do and the apps that do perform those things have to be offered separately. Yeah, that's true. Only in the app store do those uh, restrictions apply. If you want to create an app without those sandboxing restrictions and put it on your website, that's okay. Sure, but then you signed, have to get the certificate from Apple so you don't get the warning notices from Gatekeeper right, on OS right. 10.8. We have John exactly. Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Your freedoms are on the line. The Second Amendment is in danger. How soon before your freedoms are taken away? What can you not live without? What is your greatest dependency? Is it your guns? Is it your home? No, it's food. It all boils down to the food supply. Tyrannical governments control people by controlling their food supply. Don't be dependent. Be self-sufficient. Don't wait for the government to feed you. Feed yourself. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Do like Alex has done and get a supply of food from eFoods Direct. It's the best long term storable food on the planet. Get the popular Mega Patriot Pack free. A 24-day supply of food plus stove, cook pot, and fuel. Call 800-250-1857 or go to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get up to 20 Mega Patriot Packs free with purchase. Build your food supply, be in control, be self-sufficient, and be a patriot. Call 800-250-1857 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex and get your free Patriot Pack today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy, and I'm giving you a personal invitation to join me Tuesday, April 30th. This is 7 p.m. It's a free lecture at the Holiday Inn Hurstbourne Parkway, Louisville, Kentucky. Now, this lecture is going to cover the top eight diseases that afflict Americans. I'm going to show you how Alzheimer's disease is preventable by 80%. I'm going to show you how Alzheimer's disease is a physician-caused disease and how you can prevent it and how to reverse dementias. Let me tell you, this is going to be great. I'm going to show you how to reverse arthritis, how to reverse heart disease. I'm going to show you how to reverse high blood pressure. I'm going to show you how to support and promote maintenance repair of cartilage, ligaments, tendons, connective tissue, discs between your vertebrae. You don't need doctors for the most part except for emergency. Emergency, you got to go to the doctor. Otherwise, come see me. Free. This is Tuesday night, April 30th, 7 p.m., Holiday Inn, Hurstbourne Parkway, Louisville, Kentucky. Tell them Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, sent you. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, focusing on Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. 5,000 tickets thereabouts sold in less than three minutes. Boy, what can I tell you? At least the interest in developers is pretty high, but we're looking at things that might change. So will iOS 7 have a somewhat modified look, or will some of the excesses be taken out of it? What about applications being able to talk to one another. If you have a file, you're locked into the app that created it, but maybe not another app. You know, what about on something like an iPad, the ability to run two app windows side by side? Heck, you could do that on older Macs with smaller screens. I've been wanting that for a long time. Part of content creation is being able to extract information from one application in a very general and global way and put it into another app uh, to create new content. That's really hard on the iPad. So we have to see how does Apple handle that? How do they handle that dilemma? Well, I don't think it should be all that difficult to do. They did it on the Mac OS, but maybe the sandboxing routine is what causes the difficulty, and they've got to find better ways for apps to communicate. But this is Apple. They should figure that out. They should. They should have this figured out in 10 minutes flat. <clears throat> there we go. And skeuomorphism <clears throat> will maybe be history. Maybe the interface will be slimmed down. I guess that also applies, of course, to OS X. What will Apple do? Will they improve the Finder interface, for example? I would like to see less emphasis on adding new features and more emphasis on creating stronger more robust, more freedom from errors and problems in the operating system. I'd like to see Apple Mail improved. I'd like to see a. I'd like to see an internal health and um, health and safety manager. I'd like to see a new demon that scouts around your operating system and is the supervisor of errors and receives error logs and analyzes them. Talks to you in plain English, looks at the smart status of your drive, and can uh, can send you a notification in plain English about what it finds. Um, as far as we've come with Mac OS X, Apple hasn't yet done that. And what happens nowadays is, is that your hard drive starts making a little funny noise, and uh, and you start munging around, and you quickly worry about you know whether your time machine archive is at risk. And then you play around a little more, you do a Google search, and you say, oh, yeah, I need to be looking at uh, the smart status and the disk utility. And um, and then it's up to you to kind of do some more Google searching and figure out what you're supposed to do. I'd, I'd like to see Apple spend more time really helping the customer understand the system. You know, we have kind of a silent manager right now. We have firewalls, and we have these security tools and you know for example antigo virus barrier you know if i if i get a, a port scan between one of my macs and the other for some reason i'm going to get a very loud buzzer uh but if somebody's um on a mac that's out of the box and doesn't have these uh, security tools and, and you get some sort of uh, nasty thing coming in uh through uh, port 80 
the Mac is pretty silent about it. I mean, it's, it's left to security, and it's left to that blocking system uh, that they use for they used to use for Java. But um, you don't really get any kind of discussion with your Mac, like you know, how you doing this morning? You know, what's happening lately? Uh, well, you know, you've got a a VIP email that I want you to look at, and I think your hard disk is going to fail in a couple hours. And by the way, you were just assaulted by a port scan from uh, badguys.com. And uh, so that's, that's sort of like your, you know, <laughs> your morning briefing. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Martellero. Your assignment, <laughs> should you decide to accept it, will be to replace the hard drive on your Mac Mini because it will go toast in 15 seconds flat. Maybe it sounds like Alfred the Butler. Isn't Michael Caine does all the voiceovers for it. Yeah, but this would be something... Voice. Now, yeah. this is something, to some extent, that's already being done by third-party utilities. And the question being, how much does Apple get involved in that? But Apple has never felt in the past exactly. any constraints exactly. about interfering with third-party utilities. And that's stuff, by the way, that can be made to sound sexy. Because as you were talking, I was thinking... Well, Apple can add so many things to the OS, but they've got to add 200 features they can tout as things you could see, feel, whatever. And I'm tired of that. I'm sure. tired of that. Because we only use about five of them. You mean kind of like your DirecTV or your Cox Communications where you have 300 channels, but you watch three. Exactly. It takes a long time for these things to prove that they're reliable. A lot of things that Apple folds in are either a little flaky at start um, or they turn out to be not very uh, useful, and then Apple has this feedback mechanism where they, you know, you can you can you can allow Apple to get uh, responses from your computer back uh, how it's uh, what functions are being used. Apple catalogs those, and they look at what functions are going on and and what people are doing. And in the next version, they may kill a lot of them uh, just because uh, nobody's using them, and it takes a lot of effort to maintain the code and debug it and so on. So I'd like to see less emphasis on you know, lots and lots of features. I think Microsoft got into trouble going down that road, trying to force people to upgrade because it's all these new features. What we want is we want health, safety, and stability, not just new geekware. Well, the automakers always had problems selling safety, so maybe that's where they get it from. Anyway, let's move to other subjects, and this is related to that. So therefore, OS 10.9... OS or iOS 7 being new products perhaps demonstrated at WWDC and then released in the fall. So Tim Cook says during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts, we'll be seeing products this fall throughout 2014. I guess an avalanche of new products and services, new initiatives, everything else. But, you know, some people who are skeptical will say, well, he's just saying that because Apple has nothing to say. So he's just promising things because people in technology promise things and they don't always deliver. I am kind of fed up with the atmosphere uh, surrounding Apple by some of these publications. I think the, the arrogance and the ignorance expressed by some publications, which I won't name, is incredible. Basically, the thesis is this. Tim Cook is an idiot. Apple has no technical resources or expertise. The product gap here we've seen since the iPad mini is the result of uh, incompetence. Apple is technically ill-equipped and unable to produce new products on our schedule at our demand. 
and we're annoyed. And I think that's a lot of nonsense. I wrote an article a few days ago called The Explanation for Apple's New Product Drought at the Mac Observer, and it was a big hit. Lots of people really, really liked it. And I took these people to task for saying that Apple can no longer produce. There is something going on here. And the fact that we are impatient, the, the, the fact that uh, the investors want to see Apple jump to their tune uh, is really annoying. Now, Apple's got some, apparently they've got some work to do. They might be doing some things behind the scenes. They've got some services they may want to pull together that require working with, say, banks, fingerprint authentication, purchases, mobile payments. They may be working on guessing. I'm guessing now, now, just a guess. They may be working on low-power ARM chips for MacBooks to get longer battery life. Uh, and that requires a transition in hardware architecture that has to be worked out very carefully. Sort of like a transition from PowerPC to Intel. They have so, to provide tools to transfer the apps for app developers and some kind of emulation tool, maybe uh, a hardware-layered emulation tool, so the performance cut won't be severe. Well, if, at, the, at the very least, there's going to have to be a ne- new Xcode you know, to compile to ARM for uh, OS X applications. So, uh, you know, the, I take Apple at their word. There is a reason for this. Apple's a big, strong company. They produce great products. If you look at the huge disconnect, Apple sold 37 million iPhones. They sold 20 million iPads. Apple's products are flying off the shelves. People are walking into Apple retail stores all across the country, and products are flying off the shelves. But the investors are sitting up there going, huh, well, gee, I've lost my opportunity to get rich here. I'm pissed. So I'm seeing this big disconnect, and a lot of financial publications are translating their frustration and greed into demands that Apple be more responsive in producing products, and and in turn being extremely arrogant and and trying to call the shots for Apple. They want to be Apple. We want to listen to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. 
The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'm the Tech Night Out Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, talking about the so-called alleged product drought from Apple. Now, of course, there are things that will govern Apple's release dates, like, for example, there's a new generation of Intel chips, codename Haswell. So as soon as they come out and they're in quantity, Apple can upgrade MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, iMac, etc. Right. I wrote an article a while back about uh, Mac Pro. I did some investigation of what kind of chips were going to be available. And I don't remember the name of the, the chip right offhand from Intel that may be a candidate for the Mac Pro, but it's going to be shipping in the third quarter, which means you know, sometime in June. Uh, it looks like the perfect trip for the Mac Pro. So there's a, a reason why Apple's waiting. If you want to do something dramatic and you have some specific engineering things in mind, sometimes you have to wait for the hardware to appear. What Apple could do possibly with regard to that would be to announce, because sales aren't that great anyway at the WWDC, Mac Pro Here's our new model. It will ship late August, September. That brings it into the second part of the year with the new Intel chips. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that now. You know, when when Apple was trying to surprise and delight us with something out of the blue um, five, seven years ago, you know, that was fine. But I don't think there's anything wrong right now under the Tim Cook regime to say, hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is the Intel chip we're going to use. It's going to be available June 17th, you can expect to see these new Mac Pros in early July. What would be wrong with that? Sure, that they could do. They won't do it with your more consumer-level products because then you kill sales of existing models. Look what happened to the iMac. Exactly. And this is something Tim Cook admitted, and that is that they maybe didn't realize the production problems would be as severe. They announced it too early. If they waited till the first of the new year, they could have sold the older iMacs, and maybe it wouldn't have sold as high as the new IMAX, but they could have sold several hundred thousand. People would still buy it. And then in January, they hold a special event. Here's the new IMAX. It's shipping in 10 days or something. You don't have this severe sales slowdown. When you have an ongoing product line like that, you can't wait more than a week for the product to come out to the stores because it kills the old model immediately. Apple has been very good about that in the past. I remember... 
lots of keynotes and other announcements uh, where they said, hey, guess what? We have this new computer and you can order it this afternoon or tomorrow. Yeah, they've been pretty good about that in the past. That was one of their rare screw-ups. But you can't see that. You can't foresee that. Um, And, you know, you expect have expectations that the that the hardware is going to be available from your supplier and then something goes wrong. There's nothing you can do, really. I think one of the things here is it's possible in the week or two before the introduction, they felt they could get the products out in November and December, which would mean a gap, but not that big a gap. And as production continued, they said, wait a minute, we're not getting the yields we expected. Sure, sure. And that was the holiday season, too, so there was a lot of pressure on them. All right, so logically speaking, then, new generation Mac Pro, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, but it would just be new chips, not a severe change. Well, Maybe. I heard rumors that there might be a MacBook Air Retina. I was going to say that. Okay. <laughs> you let the other shoe drop before I remove just, the laces. Just trying to be helpful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so what we have here, for example, is as... They build more and more displays. The cost per display goes down, so the price premium is reduced. I mean, they already reduced the price on the 13-inch MacBook Pro with Retina display. So a MacBook Air with Retina display would be possible or feasible at a slightly higher price. I think Apple's hoping to keep the price differential non-existent. Eventually, you'll be able to pay today what today's non-Retina display-equipped MacBooks cost You'll pay that and get the Retina display. That's the goal. Yeah, and hasn't it been interesting how the MacBook Air went from a sort of a, a businessman premium machine uh, who didn't have much capability to the bottom of the line? And I think that uh, Apple sold enough Retina displays now that they can um, that the cost of the Retina displays is low enough from the volume production that it's reasonable to put it into the uh, MacBook Airs. Starting at nine ninety nine. Now, the other question I have here is, when will we see the cost of memory go down? I mean, will they be able to give you a 128-gigabyte solid-state drive on the $999 MacBook oh. Air with Retina display? That's got to come soon. Don't get me started about Apple's SSD pricing. That Please, really go ahead. Go ahead me. and rant. Go I ahead don't rant. remember if I talked about this last time, but one of the things that really pisses me off is what Apple's charging for the SSDs, uh, especially in the iMac. They want $900 for a 768-gigabyte SSD. And, and, you know, the street price of SSDs uh, nowadays is around 70 or 80 cents a gigabyte. And if you decide that you want to go, you know, with premium parts and high reliability, you might work your way up to, you know, 95 cents a gigabyte, which means 768 should sell for about 700 bucks. At the most, and Apple's charging $900. Can you imagine somebody who wants to buy an iMac? And they've had SSDs in their MacBooks, and they're really keen to have a SSD in their iMac. And they look at it and they go, hmm, what are my choices here? I can buy an old-fashioned rotating hard disk, or I can buy a Fusion Drive that has a rotating hard disk subject to you know typical hard disk problems and failures. Or I can buy a no-moving-part beautiful ssd and one of my options they're very bleak uh and expensive on the imac and it's it's i was thinking about getting a new imac myself 
but I'm not going to pay $900 for a 768 SSD. And you and don't accept the, the Fusion part, Drive, and, do you? And, and the worst part about it is, is that the iMac, new iMac is glued together. So if you as a customer manage to go in there and pry it apart, and you buy, a, say, a 500-gigabyte SSD, you know, from Fry's or something, or other world computing, and you pay three ninety five for, say, a 512 SSD, and you pry your iMac apart, and you go to put it in there, guess what? Wrong connector. Apple's changed the connector to be a proprietary connector. So you can't even put your own in. You can add your own memory to the new iMac 27-inch, but you can't put your own SSD in. And, and so that drives me nuts. Maybe Apple will figure that out by the next edition. Now, if you have a 21.5-inch version of the iMac and you want to upgrade memory, you've got to go through this crazy cockamamie process of opening the thing up or just buy it with the memory you need. A couple of years ago, I was getting all my Macs with uh, 8 gigabytes, and it's not sufficient anymore. I would recommend anybody who's thinking about buying a new Mac today should settle for no less than 16 gigabytes of RAM. That's for current functionality and growth of the operating system and the longevity of lifetime of your of your computer. Don't buy an iMac now with eight gigabytes. It, it's like buying an old Core Two Duo, you know, PowerBook with two gigabytes of RAM. You know, you'd be sorry. And realize when you buy the Mac, don't expect to ever upgrade it. Buy what you expect to need for the life of that product. Because in terms of easy upgrades, only the Mac Pro, whatever it'll be in the next version, will be the upgradable Mac. Mm-hmm. By the way, I did check the prices at Otherworld Computing for the Mercury solid-state drives. And not as cheap as you think. You know, for 480 gigabytes, the high-end version is something like five and a quarter or something like that. The is, this a, is this a SATA internal with no hardware? Or is this a standalone? This is an internal SSD. In, internal SSD. $480 for 512. Well, let me give you the prices right now. This is their Mercury series. The Now, they have something called the Electra series, which is 480 gigabytes. This is 3G SSD, they call it. And it's not the fastest, okay? This is obviously the budget version. It's four eighty seven ninety nine for four hundred eighty, a thousand ninety nine for nine sixty. But if you get the standard six G, the higher speed versions, it's four hundred eighty gigabytes for four ninety four ninety nine, and four hundred eighty for five fifty nine ninety nine. So it's still a little bit high there. Could be better. We hope it will be. Well, OWC's prices, like Apple's, are a little higher because of their quality. Well, you have to talk about quality. That's very important. Yes. John Martellero of the Mac Observer, always bringing quality commentary. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Hi, this is Gary Cooper with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Don't be surprised when the global elite confiscates money from your bank account one day. They have already very clearly telling you that they're going to do it. With what just happened in Cyprus serving as a blueprint for future bank bailouts. If you are concerned about keeping your money, why not consider storing your wealth in gold and silver? Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Together we'll discuss your options of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. And I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. Introducing a 30-day emergency food supply for only $99. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can purchase Oregon Trail Foods' one-month supply of high-quality, nutritious, and healthy emergency meals for less than $100. These vegetarian meals are all-natural, non-GMO, high in carbs and protein, and are packed with oxygen absorbers in Mylar pouches. They take up to 70% less space than number 10 cans, have a 20-year shelf life, and huge portions, over twice the serving size of some competitors' meals. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low by buying direct from producers in Oregon and then pass the savings on to you. Purchase a 30-day, 90-serving emergency food supply for only $99 this month and $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Call 541-673-6666 or visit 30dayfoodsupply.com where they make preparedness affordable. 30dayfoodsupply.com. Got it? Get it. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com positive results from satisfied customers of heart and body extract continue to pour into our website hbextract.com this is al from new jersey one day i saw your ad for heart and body extract and it mentioned that it would help me with angina so i decided to order i figure i had nothing to lose heart and body extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, focusing on the demands of the outsiders. Say, we 
need to see more new products faster from Apple. And then, of course, we have to look at the other possible product introductions. Tim Cook said, for example, during the conference call, that the reason Apple doesn't produce a larger screened iPhone is because of the trade-offs. So when Apple poses a problem, does that mean that by fall we have figured out the trade-offs? Here's the 5-inch iPhone. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because sitting here on my desk, I'm holding it in my hand right now, is a Samsung Galaxy Note 2. And they sent it to me for review. And you'll see the review in a week or so. First look and then a more in-depth later. And I was very intrigued by Tim Cook's comments about color balance and resolution and so on. This Galaxy Note 2, although I haven't looked up the specs of this 5.5-inch screen, is very good-looking. It's a beautiful, awesome display. And I hold it next to my iPhone 5. The iPhone 5 display looks a little on the small side. It's kind of narrow. Um, it's not real great for reading web pages compared to the Galaxy Note, which is a luscious, beautiful, big 5.5-inch screen. Now, there's all sorts of interesting things related to that. For example... How do you carry one of these phablets around? You know, you need a giant belt holster. It does fit in a dress shirt pocket, but it is a little bit unwieldy to carry around. It's great around the house. It's great around the office. But um, uh, carrying it uh, on your body is is not as convenient as, as carrying an iPhone around. So there's definitely a trade. I have in my hand the Galaxy S3. Mm-hmm. which is 4.8-inch screen. The S4, which is just shipping now, and we'll get our review copy soon, has a 5-inch screen. Now, let me tell you, the screen looks good under normal room situation. In sunlight, it's much dimmer than that of an iPhone. That's a problem, uh, even if you turn the brightness up all the way. That's a good test. Take it out in the sunlight. Exactly. Take it out in the sunlight. It's not nearly as good. So we have to see. Supposedly, the S4 has a slightly brighter picture, but still being deemed for being not as bright as other models. And you have to realize, in that comparison, the iPhone 5 has a pretty brightness level, pretty high brightness level. That's very important. So there is a trade-off, the technology that Samsung is using based on OLED, kind of an OLED variant, can yield pretty good picture. But if the brightness isn't good, that's a problem. I think what Tim Cook was trying to say in a technical kind of way is is that if you take all of these different technical functions, you know, the gamma and the color balance and so on, and and the brightness and the resolution, and you fold them together into a sort of ergonomic human experience, people will look at the two displays in different conditions and say, oh, yeah, I like that better. And so it was kind of an indirect way of saying that the whole is more than the sum of the parts. And, 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 and these, these factors contribute to why people give such high ratings to the iPhone and how they love the display. Uh, so that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty geeky technical thing to look into. But, yes, but by bringing it up in that way, he's saying we can solve the trade-offs, and we will solve the trade-offs, and that's a reason for us to bring this four-and-a-half-inch or five-inch iPhone and then say, we solve the problems. It gives you good power consumption. The picture's great. The brightness is good. That's their excuse. 
Well, but it falls on deaf ears for people who, for some reason, don't want to buy an Apple product. They want to be involved in Android. Uh, they look at the screens of the S4 or the Note 2, and they say, "Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. That's good enough." So, is there there are these complex human factors involved in saying whether just in justifying why you don't want to have the best, but you think what you paid for is good enough? Because everybody thinks their purchase decision was the right one. Well, I don't know. Right? There are times right? I've bought things and said, "You know what? I." screwed up i'm gonna buy the <laughs> other thing next time well but that's also if you look at the iphone yeah, cook said that the iphone and the ipad have what roughly a 95 percent customer satisfaction rate you know if people buy these things they like it and and apple has a a very sophisticated understanding of what it is that people attracts people and makes them feel good about the touching and the holding and the viewing of the product it's a very fine art but does that also leave in terms of new products? Will Apple this fall introduce an Apple-connected TV? I don't call it iTV because there is already a network, a TV network. Oh, yeah. In yeah. I call it the Apple HDTV to discriminate between that and the Apple TV product, right. which is currently shipping. I call it the Apple HDTV. So will they do that? What about an iWatch? We've discussed that before. Who knows? Maybe I shouldn't even mention it. I want to talk about the iWatch. Okay, I watch it goes. There you go. All right, so I think this is a, a very tricky product because unlike a phone, which can be thrown into a pocket or a belt holster, an iWatch has to fit comfortably. And, you know, we have decades of experience with wristwatches, and some people like metal bands, and some people like uh, synthetic, you know, soft rubbery bands, and some people don't like the way a watch digs into their skin. And then you've got men with big wrists and you've got women with small wrists. And then you get the question of how big the screen is going to be and the, whether you're going to have a little tiny one and a half inch screen or whether you're going to have something that is kind of like one of these uh, NFL quarterback sleeve things that fits onto your arm and has a curved screen that's maybe three or four inches across. And so you've got all these ergonomic issues. And then you've got the technical issues associated with what it is this iWatch is going to do that your phone can't do. There are some discussions about, you know, you've got your iPhone in your purse, and so your iWatch says has a little message on it that says you just got a text message from Best Buy. You know, your router has arrived or something like that. And, and so there's this ability to have a kind of like on-the-fly notification on your wrist the question is, is that a mass market opportunity? Is that something everybody's got to have? And then the third issue is not only do you, do you want to display information, but maybe the watch has other subtler features like maybe handshaking and encryption. So when you get into your Lexus, the watch talks to the Lexus and says, okay, he's in the car. You get in your Lexus. <laughs> I don't have a Lexus, so I can say that. I don't have uh, a Lexus either, I'm and I don't like Toyota <laughs> products, so I will not have a Lexus, even if I could afford one. I know, I know. But, but but maybe, you know, maybe when you get within three feet of your Mac, you know, it logs you on, you know, through uh, wireless handshaking or something like that. Or, or, or maybe uh, Apple could work with other companies on authentication of electronic devices, or maybe even firearms where... 
you know, you have an electronic trigger and if you're not wearing the wristwatch, you know, the gun isn't going to go off or something. So there's three elements. There's the ergonomics, there's the display of information, and then there's the behind-the-scenes infrastructure. All right, so here's the deal. We have to do this behind-the-scenes infrastructure announcement with John Martellaro and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Since disaster can strike at any time, you always need to be prepared. And not just with an insurance policy. Superstorm Sandy left thousands of people starving and stranded for weeks. You need to be prepared with an emergency supply of food. Now through April 30th, save up to 25% on freeze-dried food. During the freeze-dry guy makes and match number 10 can sale. Freeze-dried food packed in heavy-duty double enameled number 10 cans. With over 99% of the oxygen removed, it has the longest shelf life of any food available over 25 years choose from entrees meats vegetables fruits and desserts all made in the usa just add hot water wait 10 minutes and serve and the taste absolutely delicious free shipping to 48 states now through april 30th save up to 25 percent visit freezedryguy.com freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 866-404-3663 act today don't miss out 
Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Two more segments left with John Martellero of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Isle Live. And we're talking about elements that may make up an iWatch. And I guess the other question, the big question is, can it be a standalone device or must it always depend on linking to your smartphone or your tablet? That's the fourth issue that comes into play. Um, you know, uh, when I first went to work for Apple, I'll tell you this quick story. My first boss at Apple said something like, now I'm, I'm being overly dramatic, but it was almost like this. Uh, he said to me, Apple is going to issue you an iPhone. I am your supervisor. You will carry this iPhone. It will be on your body all the time. It will always be on. It will always be charged. When I ring your number, you will answer. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. You will answer that phone when it rings, when I call. Right? And, and now I see the experience with my wife, who carries her phone around in her purse. And so we're separated in the mall. You know, I'm in the Apple store and she's in Nordstrom's and I need to call her about something. So I ring and ring and ring and ring and it rolls over the voicemail. So we meet up and I say, hey, I, I called your phone. And she says, oh, it was in my purse. I didn't hear a ring. So there is that ergonomic issue of, you know, having something on your wrist, like a watch that is always there and you don't miss the big call. And, and maybe that can be done with a, you know, Bluetooth link back to your phone. And, and that's, that's cool. And, and maybe there are things the iPhone can do that are independent of having an iPhone. You know, it'd be nice to have it such that, you know, it didn't necessarily need to have an iPhone. You could use it for other things. Well, you could use it for a phone. You could use it to get simple messages. You could use it for maybe. alarm issues oh. get as an alarm clock you yeah, could use it for hard? your nike sure. sneakers or whatever but what's interesting is is that what apple has to do is they have to figure out out of all the technologies software and and technologies that we're used to like messaging and email and alarms and so on and then all of the hardware that's available to them you know lte radios and Wi-Fi radio circuits and so on. What combination of hardware and software services are best combined to create a product such that you look at it and you go, holy cow, I need that. I didn't know I needed it. Now I know I need it. I want it really bad. That's the trick. 
And that's what Apple has to resolve. They don't do what other companies do, which is to throw everything at the wall and hope something will stick. And I kind of think that's what Samsung's doing with this Galaxy S4, where you have so many software add-ons, so much bloat with software. They even have to add an easy mode. So if you find the stuff too difficult to deal with, you don't want to turn off 27 and a half different things for your camera and for tilting to scroll and all this other nonsense, you set it in easy mode. And what someone said in a commentary, then you have something like an iPhone, but then you can always buy an iPhone and I have to put up with this garbage. Well, when you're playing catch up and you're an imitator, you throw everything out there to see what sticks. The first thing I noticed about this uh, Galaxy Note 2 is, is that it uses the camera, the front facing camera to decide whether or not you're looking at it. And yes, if it doesn't make the, eye contact the, with you, then it dims the screen. That's exactly what a lot of the Samsung products do. Right. And I wonder about, you know, technology like that. I wonder if I turn on the flashlight app and point it at the ground trying to find my car keys, <laughs> if it'll go dim on me. <laughs> because your eye is right. not staring on the screen. I unless I've done that experiment yet, but I wonder. <laughs> unless, of course, the feature of turning on the flashlight keeps the screen on as a consequence maybe the developers said well let's fix this you know we'll we'll defeat that uh, interface (laughs) i don't know well then of course 97 percent of the smartphone or mobile malware is on the android platform yeah there was this big thing a couple days ago about an ad server that was that was working with downloaded apps and, and google had to be notified that these apps were not only connecting to the ad server, but the ad server was pushing down malware, as I understand it. I may be wrong. And uh, Google goes, oops, we better pull those apps. And and, and that is why I use an iPhone uh, on a daily basis, because I trust Apple. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass for developers. Yeah, Apple's pretty strict uh, about you know sandboxing and security and so on. But when you've got this device that's connected to the Internet 24-7, uh, you have to really trust it. And uh, I think that's a lot why a lot of people are find, find favor with Apple and, and why they sold 37 million iPhones in one quarter, which works out to about 16,000 an hour, as I recall. And the thing to bear in mind, too, is this Android smartphone I'm using, the Galaxy S3, it has an antivirus app. Mm. When I got it for extended review from Samsung, one of the first purchases I made was a three-month contract for antivirus definitions ah what's that called is that something from um um, the google play store if you go to google play store and you look at apps for anti-malware there are a whole bunch now this one here and let me give you the name of the app the name of the app is antivirus free which means it's virus free it doesn't mean the app is necessarily free there's a free version but if you want to have updated protection you've got to pay for the updated definitions and i forget what it is 10 15 dollars something like that maybe 17 dollars what you also need with android is it doesn't have a good way of managing lots of apps that are open so one of the things you see on an android phone is the fact that it doesn't manage closed apps or inactive apps as well as the ios so one of the other features in antivirus free is a way to have it shut down the unused apps it quits them because sometimes performance gets laggard mm-hmm. gets buggy and therefore you've got to do these manual things that apple does automatically 
So yes, you might say, well, the Samsung and many other smartphones with the Android platform do a lot more things. They also have a lot more options in terms of customizations. But at the end of the day, the real problem is that a lot of those things don't make a difference. You don't need them. If you do need them, you have to work harder to make the thing do what you want. It's not like you buy the phone, go ahead, bring it home, turn it on, you're okay. You have a previous iPhone, you could just copy your data from iCloud or from iTunes. In fact, that's the other issue, too, which is what do you do with a new Android phone and you want to bring over all your stuff? It's not seamless. There are uh, complications. You mean in terms of importing, right? Right. You've got to basically back up your apps and bring them over. Sure, if you paid for the app, you can download it again. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if there's an app that allows you to import from your iOS address book. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes. Okay. There are cool. apps that will import, are apps that will bring over non-DRM content from iTunes. They're there. There is also an app that you can download from Samsung, I guess, that allows you to mount the drive, the flash drive from the Samsung device on your Mac desktop and mm -hmm. manually copy content over into different folders. Yeah, I've done that with a Kindle, Kindle okay. Fire HD. Yeah. There are ways of doing That's it. That's nice. That's nice. But the auto-sync tends to be the province of third parties. So mm -hmm. that's the problem. There are auto-sync apps, but you have to go through, well, let me find an app for this, and let me find that. It's not as seamless. And this is why I heard one figure that four times as many people go from Android to iOS as vice versa. Yeah, you know, the phone looks pretty, and it has these nice icons, the, um, the, the Galaxy series it looks nice it looks like a iphone and it has these pretty icons on the screen it's got a phone dialer and you, your first blush reaction is oh it looks just like an iphone and that's exactly what samsung wants you to think and then right. you start getting into some of these little details that make you love it and the subconscious things that just go more easily and the and the holding of it and the display and the ease of use with your if you, with your apps and integration to your desktop Mac. That's, that's stuff you only find out after you've been using it for a month. We'll have only one segment, not a month, but 10 minutes worth. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Hello, I'm Pastor Broden. The First Amendment is made up of five platforms that are designed to limit government and protect our liberties. Our founding fathers covered in the First Amendment the right to religious liberty, restriction on federal government's interference in our religious liberty, our right to free speech, and the right to a free press. The fifth platform in the First Amendment is the answer to our government operating in an unconstitutional way. The right to peaceably assemble and petition redress for grievances. Redress means to set right, to amend. It is a remedy for a wrong or an ill perpetrated against we the people. To nullify unconstitutional law or executive orders, we must petition redress. Sign our petition for redress at c.x.com. That's c.d.o.t.x.com. Redress equals solution. Virtually anyone could be tracking you right now through your cell phone. The fact is, anyone can track your calls, your texts, emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. That's the new warning from the American Civil Liberties Union. It's just released the results of an investigation that found law enforcement agencies across the country track personal cell phones on a regular basis as a form of surveillance. That's why you need Block It Pocket. Block It Pocket is a standard or custom designed cloth pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for any mobile device. With Block It Pocket, all incoming and outgoing signals are blocked, including harmful radiation, and your device cannot be hacked or tracked by anyone. Handmade in the USA, Block It Pocket costs less than $30 and ships free to the lower 48. Call 888-315-9618 or click Block It Pocket, spelled B-L-O-C-K-I-T-P-O-C-K-E-T dot com. Block It Pocket, enhancing health and privacy. So, a natural disaster strikes, and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators. Freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator-freezer or a 22-cubic-foot deep freezer. In stock and ready to ship anywhere. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com also stocks a full line of solar-powered appliances to get you completely off the grid. Check out Ben'sDiscountSupply.com or call 800-771-7702. That's 800-771-7702. Or click Ben'sDiscountSupply.com for camping, home, or bug out location. Bank on Ben'sDiscountSupply.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live. So the question is here, Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Microsoft says iOS is boring. Does that mean just working is boring? (laughs) Well, you know, there is this issue that I've been writing about lately called the, the seizure in the control of your visual field. The visual field, let me, let me explain what I'm talking about here. The visual, your visual field is the extent 
of what your eyes can see up and down. I think it's about 120 degrees from side to side. It's about 210 degrees, depending on how good your peripheral vision is. And I've even seen um, articles uh, about how many hundreds of megabytes of, of pixels that that is in your visual field. And you know, when you're walking along the bike path and you're looking at the trees, you know, and the sun, what you see is what you get. But in the technology world, your visual field is assaulted. It all started with the pop-up ads in uh, Windows. Your PC has been infected. Click here to clean it. And then you've got video ads on websites. And when you're watching a high-definition TV show, say on, a, say, say on some techie channel, there'll be little pop-ups, animations at the bottom that say, stay tuned for the next show. They're not happy that you're watching this show. They want to make sure you stay on for the next show, too. You know, that's so so irritating. I'm watching a show, and I've got the banner on the bottom about the weather, the show, what's upcoming on the local news. Then I have the logo for CBS, NBC in the lower right corner. Yep. And what's coming up next? And Gannett News, which I'll call out by name, Gannett News has just had all its NBC had all of its affiliates, uh, most notably uh, KUSA in Denver, uh, used to be my favorite uh, local news station. Now they've cluttered up the screen completely, taking up maybe 25% of the bottom of the screen. It used to be opaque. Uh, I noticed that they tr- changed it to uh, being uh, translucent lately so that you could see through. A lot of the stuff that was at the bottom of the screen you might want to watch, uh, you can't see anymore. Uh, of course, when, when Kathy Sabin does the weather, uh, they eliminate those banners so that you can see the full screen, you know, as she puts up her graphics for the news. But during the regular newscast, when when you've got the talking heads, there's all sorts of clutter in your face. They've got to notify you who this is and what's coming up next and the time and the weather and all that stuff. You don't need all that. So you've got television stations with content putting stuff on the screen. You've got the news stations treating it like an iPad where there's over, they're overlaying a whole bunch of stuff on the visual field. And then you've got you know, ads in your apps uh, on your smartphone. So everybody wants to get in your face. And one of the ways to do this is through you know, the active tiles on Windows Phone, where you have you know, jittery things going on to catch your attention. You know, some sort of alert pops up or, you know, information about the weather. Every manufacturer thinks that you're keen to have all this stuff in your face as if you were some sort of orchestra uh, conductor and you need to have all this stuff in your visual field in order for you to be able to react and digest and buy and make assessments and know what's going on. And it really kind of debases you in a way, I think, and turns you into a a more nervous, distracted person. And as a writer, my philosophy is that there are times when you want to sit and ponder and think and you know listen to some music and not have your visual field so distracted. So I wrote an article a while back that said, you know, Microsoft thinks that that iOS is boring because it doesn't seize control of your visual field. You know, when you look at an iPhone, what have you got? You got static apps and you got badges. You know, the badge is a low-key way of telling you, you know, you've got some notifications or the App Store has some updates or something. But nothing's jumping. Nothing's jiggling. iOS, as it stands, you know, without running an app, is a quiet, peaceful operating system that respects you as a human being. You may decide to play a game or do something frenetic, 
you know, where the whole idea is to be active and engage visually. But in general, iOS doesn't try to browbeat you, doesn't try to interfere with your life. iOS doesn't allow ads to spontaneously pop up on the home page and start yammering at you and things like that. So I think it's good for a uh, operating system to be boring. And then you turn it on and you activate things that you need specifically. I wrote an article about a while back about how to turn off notifications in iOS 10. It was driving me crazy. The developers are invited to notify you. And so the notification center is just dumping ground. And so you got all these apps and all these demons and all these things going, oh, yes, I can get his attention. All I have to do is understand the API and the protocol for dumping stuff in notification center. And boom, a banner comes up and I will get his attention. And I said, enough. I turned it off for good because I only want to know what I need to know and I'll figure out what it is I need to know and I'll go get that information on my own. And uh, of course, that's, that's too much selfish independence for advertisers to allow, isn't it? Well, you know, getting in your face, putting up stuff can drive you crazy. Like on an Android phone on this Samsung Galaxy again, we'll just raise it. If you look on the top status bar, where you normally see signal strength and the time and one or two other things, what they do is they put all the notification icons up there. So it's kind of like a cluttered tray from Windows, but it's shown on a tiny smartphone screen. You pull down the window shade, and you've got all sorts of variations there. So you've got little icons for key functions like sync, screen location, Mm -hmm. screen rotation, Bluetooth, sound. And by mistake, you just tap one, you've turned off your Wi-Fi. Oh, my God, where is my Wi-Fi? Why is it not working? It's because this stupid feature allows you to turn off from your notification shade. And then beneath, of course, there's all the notification information. It's got so much content, it drives you nuts. And as I said, it's like taking a Windows tray from Windows 7 and earlier and putting it on a 5-inch screen. Horizontally. My, my wife says, uh, she's a PhD, she says there are tinkerers and there are doers. Tinkerers sit and play and configure and mess. Doers get something done. And if I'm busy and I'm getting something done, guess what? I ain't going to answer the phone. I don't think she says it that way. I'm being euphemistic. So, yeah, tinkerers and doers. And Samsung is definitely for tinkerers. And I think most people who buy those phones are doers, but they don't realize that after they buy the phone. They see these flashy ads on TV that don't tell them the downsides. How could you expect otherwise? Trying to show things that it does that maybe iOS doesn't do, but doesn't explain the usability. And some of those ads don't show you anything about the phones, like Droid does. Okay, that's the Verizon (laughs) Droid series from Motorola phones. Right. Droid does. You see these robotic images. Droid does oh, yeah. this. Droid Tinkerer. does that. Oh, yeah. That's the exact message the tinkerer wants to hear. I can do things you can't do. And in turn, when Apple shows restraint and when Apple shows some expertise in human interfaces and says, no, we're not going to do that, that creates a gap in the tinkerability of the product. And other companies seize on that and say, well, look, you don't have that, but we do. So that's a feature. I call it not just droid, but drek. You hear this robotic sound, droid, droid. I respond. If I watch the commercial and have not fast-forwarded through it, drek, drek, drek. Motorola will never advertise. Verizon Wireless will never advertise on the Tech Night Out Live because I've dinged them. They're dinged and donged. 
And there they go. John Martellaro, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. I am John Martellaro, Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews, and I live at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. He lives there, and the other room is Brian Chaffin. Yes, my esteemed <laughs> colleague. <laughs> we have fun with him, too. He's been on the show recently. We've enjoyed that. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're going to talk about the tragic state of researching the UFO phenomenon. Not so much fun as it used to be. But here on the Tech Night Owl Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. Thank you so much for being on the show. See you next time, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.